Identity, the fact of being who or what a person or thing is. Do you ever struggle with feeling like you have to put on a face to walk into church? Like Christians are secretly judging you? You want to be like Jesus, but you're not sure if Christian culture is actually modeling who Jesus was. This week, we're talking about the many false identities of modern Christianity. We discuss the culture involved in what causes people to feel like they can't be themselves and be authentic. And we talk about key points to watch out for and what to do to help. Most people don't put on masks unless they feel threatened by the current environment they're in. Now, all you reckless listeners, let's get right to it. We are for the spiritual nomads the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the consequences. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And we are your hosts. And today, we are just going to try to buckle down on um, something that's been on Mine Elaine's heart for a little while here, and it's just been kind of bouncing around in my head. We're going to be talking about uh, just the many faces of Christianity and the many faces Christians put on. Now, I know you probably think, oh, I've heard this message before. I've been taught this in church. No, no, no. We're not talking about the faces Christians put on uh, in church as much as we're talking about the faces they feel they have to put on to survive in the Christian culture. So we're going to get into that here in just a bit. But first, we have a brand new segment coming at you, and it's called Reckless Roundup. That's right, Reckless Roundup, the best way to get up to date with all your out-of-the-box religious news. So this first piece comes from Gizmodo.com, and it's titled, Head of Russian Orthodox Church Warns Big Data Will Usher in the Antichrist. The devil's in the downloads, says Patrick Kirchill, maybe Kirill, Kirill, Patriarch Kirill of Moscow. I'm sorry, I'm going to get this. The leader of the Russian Orthodox Church in a recent interview with the state-run Russia One TV network, Kirill warned that the smart devices like cell phones and social networks could enable the rise of Satan's chosen and the rule of darkness until the end times. Any opinions on that one, Elaine? That sounds very spooky and very wrong. (laughs) Uh, Kirill says, every time you use your gadget, whether you like it or not, whether you turn on your location or not, somebody can find out exactly where you are, exactly what your interests are, and exactly what you are scared of so does he have a smartphone or a computer or i don't know i don't know how the orthodox church runs their their so internal you have affairs a phone, like that. even if you just have a go phone like somebody can tap into that and find your location and apparently is, find your deepest darkest fears i know that the orthodox church and kirill are partnered and like really close advocates of russia and russia is like a little more known to do that you know like they're pretty pretty heavy into the whole like espionage scene so i don't know maybe 
maybe he's right. Maybe uh, maybe smartphones are ushering in the age of the Antichrist. So well, everyone, not watch my out. Phone because I have the Bible app, so therefore. So you're saying if you install the Bible app, you are safe from the Antichrist's digital reach. Absolutely. Good At to, least for me. <laughs> good to know. All right, I'll, I'll turn it, it over to you. What's your, what is your piece of news for okay. the week, Eli? So my article that I found is from the Christian Post. And when I first saw this article, I honestly thought it was a joke just because the, the picture was very cheesy looking. But apparently DC Comics is actually coming out with a comic called The Second Coming. Oh, man. And it is about Jesus and him living with the superhero Sunman. And apparently Mark Russell, the creator of The Second Coming, basically said that witness the return of Jesus Christ as he is sent on a most holy mission by God to learn what it takes to be the true Messiah of mankind by becoming roommates with the world's favorite savior, the all-powerful superhero, Sun Man, the last son of Crispex. But when Christ returns to earth, he's shocked to discover what has become of his gospel. And now he aims to set the record straight. So basically, in the comic, God was disappointed in how Jesus handled the whole situation when he was here on earth the first time and so god is making him come back to earth and learn from a superhero but the superhero learns from jesus as well so is it spelled s-u-n or s-o-n man s-u-n oh that's not as cool he has a big sun on his chest so when you told me sun man i was thinking like son of god so now you're just telling me jesus has to learn from some pagan deity that worships the sun yeah because the picture that's sacrilege The picture is of Jesus shoving a loaf of bread into a man's mouth, (laughs) and the man (laughs) is holding a gun, and Sun Man is like, has another guy in a chokehold holding a gun as well, and they're staring at each other like, what the heck? And the two men that they're holding are like, what is this? That's how I feel right now. I feel like I'm that. I'm, I feel like <laughs> no, I am in that chokehold. Oh my gosh, that's fantastic! I, I feel like I am in that chokehold. Okay, <laughs> I feel like I am that guy. No, but when I first saw it, like I really thought, like, okay, this is like you thought Jesus was a bad a flipping tables. Well, here he is. Apparently, he didn't jokers do it right in chokeholds. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Mark Russell and uh, DC Comics coming at you. Oh man. All right, well, that is your weekly... Unique news. Yeah, weekly Reckless Roundup. And if you have any crazy religious news that you've uh, scoured across on the internet, please send us an email. Head over to therecklesspursuit.com and shoot it our way. We're looking for crazy topics to share with you guys so we can all stay in the know about what's going on in this crazy world we live in uh, involving religious news. Also, if you want to have direct access to the original... Uh, blog posts, the original links that we got our content from, those will be in the show notes below. And feel free to even tag us on social media if you come across something. Just tag The Reckless Pursuit. And with that, we are going to get into today's topic. So before we dive into this, I just want to take a minute and let's do like a little bit of a, a decompression from all that that we just went through for one. Come back to maybe a little bit more of a serious tone here. And uh, let's just think for a second. When you walk 
into the doors at church, how many different identities do you see? Maybe you can just take, just take a minute and think that through. You're walking in, you walk, you look around. Maybe you're walking in right when, when worship is starting, however that looks, uh, your local congregation, if you even attend, but you, I'm sure you can think, like there's been a chance you've probably attended church and you can think about this. There's so many different identities. Now think how many people are hiding behind a false identity they have, they have set up uh, to, like it's just, it basically it's their church clothes, right? It's like this certain outfit that they put on just as their own little uh, key marker, their own behaviors uh, that they wear and they act out in church. Now think like how many of us have our own little like quote unquote, you know, air quote, church clothes, outfits. How many of us walk in there with our own mental constructs that we've set up? Now, like I said in the beginning here of this episode, when we intro this topic, we've all, if you've been in church at all in your life, and if you haven't heard this sermon, you know, more power to you, I guess, but we've all heard a sermon about the faces uh, the false faces or the, the masks, I think is what it's referred to a lot in uh, Christianity. Oh, well, we put on these masks and these constructs. What we miss is the fact that every time I've ever heard that message preached, we have preached it as an attack on the individual. Right? You follow me? We preach it as an attack on the individual, as in you came in here and you were on the defense, and you put on this mask, and we can't help you. Now, I want to back up for a second. I don't think many people are putting on false identities if they would have originally felt like their identity would have been accepted, and that's the direction we're going with this. We're going to talk about some of those false identities, and we're going to talk about some of the true identities hiding behind those church clothes or behind those masks or behind those, those constructs, however you want to word it. Because I think it is a culture of Christianity, the modern culture of Christianity, that has led people to putting on those masks, not the other way around, not people putting them on out of defense uh, and fear. So with that, let's get right into this. So Elaine and I sat down this week and we took some time to map out just some of the, um, the faces we see. Uh, happening so often in church and in the Christian community. So we're just going to take a just kind of a casual glance at these and discuss them for a minute and then kind of go into some more of the true identity. So Elaine, you want to open us up here? So you and I kind of discussed the super spirituals, the ones who feel like they have to almost bring God into every conversation. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I can definitely think of a handful of people that fit that bill, the ones that you can be talking about your trip to the supermarket and then all of a sudden it becomes this like crazy in-depth Jesus story. And I get their heart on it. Like I I don't know if they're trying to be authentic or if they feel they have to be that way, but so many people have this uh, thing where whether it be in church or home group settings or uh, just uh, to other people they know identify as Christians or what have you, they come across as like overbearing with just how spiritual they can be. They're the ones you almost don't want to say anything around because you get nervous if they're going to judge you for the way you word things, right? Like they're the ones 
that whenever we sit down to record a podcast episode like this, we get nervous about because we're like, oh man, if they were in the room, they would have words for us. And they wouldn't even be bad words. They just like words that just make you feel bad. It like cuts you to the bone. Well, and I feel like they're not necessarily trying to make you feel bad. That's just like, I guess their dialect. Um, But like, I feel like sometimes it gets to be too much and overbearing and especially if you weren't a Christian or were angry with God or just walked. In a place of questioning. Yeah, in a place of questioning, you would almost feel attacked. Oh, yeah. I mean, I felt attacked before. I mean, I've straight up felt attacked before, and it wasn't even like a big deal. I just felt That's like... That's not even their intention, right, I, I would hope, like, at least. Even. So how does like our modern construct of Christianity attribute to those type of people? Like, How does it develop those type of people? I think personally... We um, favor that insider lingo so much that it just creates this weird um, identity where people are constantly using these big religiosity terms. Uh, just, what is religiosity? Too big of a term? Is that? <laughs> I think that was a big <laughs> religious term. But <laughs> sorry, my bad. Uh, and, and so, like, we kind of we um, we elevate the status of people who know the key words, who know the insider lingo. And I think it almost like creates, it's like a Petri dish. Like the more you have it, the more of it you add in, the more of it, it just kind of breeds and like creates an overgrowth in my opinion. And I also see this in, I guess you would say corporate prayer or like even prayer in um, small mix settings and stuff, but where like you're praying out loud and they say like, Dear Lord, God, our Heavenly Father, like every other sentence. And it's like you almost feel incompetent in your prayer life if you just say like, hey, God, like I'm dealing with this. You're going to make me evaluate my prayer now because like (laughs) everyone has like those specific words that they fall back on. It's like, dear Lord, my Lord, my God and Lord, thank you, Lord, for being my Lord. Like we (laughs) we get hung up on those. I've done it before. Like Mm -hmm. we get hung up on those weird things and it just loses well, its authenticity because it's almost like you know praying to a uh i don't know, to a grammar not i don't know to a, well, I don't, and sometimes <laughs> like i don't even think that they're just trying to be annoying like that may be how they talk to god and that's fine there's no judgment there but sometimes i'm like oh am i just talking to god like he's somebody on the street like i should be more proper oh like god. he is my father oh, <laughs> like and it just kind of makes me feel like it just makes me feel like sometimes I'm not praying correctly, even though there's no right or wrong way to pray. Yeah, for sure. And then when you encounter those super spiritual people, you feel even more judged because you're like, man, I've been talking to God like he was like a normal person. Oh, no. And you, yeah, anyway. Yeah, so one of the next uh, identities before I get super spiritual on you <clears throat> is uh, the, the worshiper identity. And so, okay. Uh, flag twirlers and spiritual dancers aside, like if that's your forte, like twirl and spin, whatever, I'm not that agile. Like my back hurts too much for that crap. But, uh, you know, we, this one bothers me because as a culture, talking about Christianity, talking about uh, non-denoms and, Oh, gosh. I mean, you look at it in every church, right? Like, churches have their worship culture, right? You walk into a traditional Baptist church, and you stand up and clap, and they're going to be like, that dude is possessed with the devil. Except for the church that I went to. 
I, did, I said traditional Baptist church. You're not. You didn't grow up in a traditional Baptist church. You grew saying. up in one of those contemporary Baptist churches that thinks they're non-denom, but they still have the Baptist in the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because y'all got the fancy lighting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you walk up into the the non-denom church, and it really just depends on whoever opened, like, started the darn thing of what kind of like you don't even know what you're getting in there. You could walk into a whole hornet's nest and stuff, but most of them are kind of trying to take like the Hillsong Bethel approach, where you have like the female singer who knows how to do her thing. And then you have like the fancy, like the dim lights and like, it has that, uh, rock concert feel to it, you know? And like, listen guys, I'm, I am blanket stating here. I don't give me hate emails about well, my church. Like, okay. If I mean, you were a worship pastor. Yeah, like, I was a worship can't... pastor for eight years. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I led in a band way before any of that. So I've been in the music scene for uh, 10 plus years now in the Christian music scene. I get it. I know in and out the aspects of worship, the importance of worship. I get all of the true authentic, uh, the authentic, authentic, authenticity, authentic, authentic, authenticity. Is that a word? Authenticity. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Authenticity of worship. <sighs> I'm not cutting that out. That's I'm, I'm going to leave it. <laughs> the true, uh, authentic worship. And I get like the, the, the heart behind it. And I know, like there's been so many times I wish as churches would just like put a curtain up in front of the musicians because I feel like people just like goggle eye at them, just like stare. And I'm just like, man, my mood like should not have to dictate everything you do so freaking much. But I think that uh every one of these churches have their own worship identity. And if you don't fit into that, like if you walk in the doors and you don't fit into their worship agenda, the eyeballs turn your way. Like you start becoming a a, a, um, a point of attention, and this has happened uh, to you, Elaine, in in uh, one of our experiences with church, where we were, you kind of were, you know. I kind of was told how to worship, and that I worshipped wrong. Whenever like I worship, I have a weird. I don't know. I guess it's weird to a lot of people in church, but to me, um. I'm more inward because I'm an introvert. And so like I take things internally and sometimes during worship, I don't raise my hands. I don't, sometimes I don't even stand up. Like I don't always sing. Um, and I just kind of have like a personal conviction for me is, you know, all these songs about like, Lord, your will be done. Like I trust in you 100%. Of course I want to trust in God, but there are a lot of times where like in that moment, I'm like, you know, I don't want to make a promise to God that I can't like, I'm internalizing the song and the words and how I'm feeling in that moment. And all of worship, I'm always talking to God, like I'm praying, but it doesn't always look outward. And so I've been approached and told like, well, you just look like you don't enjoy worship. And sometimes those were like the most like profound worship experiences I've had, but I may not have like, outwardly shown it but i had really strong like prayers with god yeah and i think that we all uh have so many different stigmas of worship that's been like kind of ingrained in us if we've grown up in like evangelical christianity you have these different worship styles ingrained in you and all of them can be right and or wrong and or irrelevant worship is a personal experience and when we start sticking these stigmas on people we start causing those constructs those false identities to rise up in people because they feel like they have to appease instead of worship and that becomes worship of man over worship of god well, 
And after that, I was so, like, I had never been self-conscious about my worship. Like, I knew the way I worshiped was fine. I never knew a problem with it. Nobody had ever said anything. Um, But I did feel, though, after that, I was, and sometimes still, but um, I was very self-conscious about the way I worshiped after that because I was like, well, I have people watching me. Maybe I should be more outward. Maybe I should, you know, sing out loud maybe I should raise my hands even if I'm not feeling it or whatever like but then I'm like well I don't want to be fake and it just caused a lot of confusion of like am I actually worshiping if I'm not singing and it really caused some internal problems you're using your hands a lot right now to describe this and the the listeners on the other end can't see that um are you using your false identity behind this microphone no or? i'm using like my teacher hands because we have to use a lot of tpr so i'm just she teaches chinese kids <laughs> online so, so i'm, ha- I'm using English. my tpr it's ingrained oh, you're indoctrinated <laughs> by the the asian <laughs> school system now yes okay cool that's that's not a topic for this episode okay so the next one i'm gonna go ahead and intro this next one too because this is one i have identified with so much because i am by nature an enabler just coming from my background and my family's dynamic growing up, actually these next two really, but we'll figure out how, they, how we're going to list these. But the next one is uh, the, the yes man or the yes woman. And that's the person in, uh, in the church who is always uh, beating down the door to do the next thing, who always is like, well, this next thing's going to cause the existential growth that we've been needing. And this next thing is what God's calling us to do. And I feel the Lord's moving this way and that way and every way. And it's like, if God is an ocean, uh, that's how this person's mind is thinking because it's just waves on waves of new things. Every time something is asked of them, they're doing it. There's never a time when no is an option. And so how does that construct get built? On a personal level, I can say that construct gets built whenever uh, questions are not actually questions. Their demands disguise as questions. And I have experienced this since I was very young, mind you, I've experienced this in so many different dynamics. I'm not calling out church on this in particular. I'm calling out faith. I'm calling out people on this. Uh, This happens in business and work and every aspect of your life where people pose these questions, but they use what they know about you. They use your social statuses and your, um, your emotions because they know how to play you to get the answer they want. And to go against the grain of that is to receive backlash or out like to be uh, ostracized or to be um, demeaned or to be pushed down out of your status. And so uh, you say yes to everything because in reality, you don't have an option to. And this is all going back to these identities aren't identities people put on out of def- like out of like fear of expression because like they're afraid. It's because they're trying to fit into the culture we've created. Well, the culture we have created has enabled, uh, enablers basically like it's it's created a a back to the petri dish a petri dish of yes men and yes women the people pleasers because we have to be the hands and feet right uh we have to you know be the body of christ and the body you know the arm doesn't tell the other arm no we have to be the body and that's not <laughs> it's not healthy like there's nothing wrong with saying yes if it's something you feel inclined to do there's nothing wrong with saying yes, but when did it become a sin to step back and and uh, and evaluate? Like, is this on my heart? 
is this something I'm supposed to be doing? Maybe we should step back and evaluate the situation a little bit. And see, like, it's kind of annoying because I'm, I've been a yes man so much in my life. I say yes to like, or have said yes to everything. So much to actually had to take a year to learn how to say no. I had to say no to things I wanted to say yes to. Because if it wasn't an absolute yes, it was an absolute no to me. And I still said yes to things I shouldn't have. But Elaine, you're just like a native in no. No is like your native tongue. And it drives me crazy because someone could say, hey, Elaine, she's just like, no, what? <laughs> I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But like, you can, you, you will know your way in, like, out of everything. And it drives me crazy because someone could come up to you and be like, hey, we need you to serve in the children's ministry. And you're like, yeah, that's a no from me right now, but I'm going to go pray on it, and it might be a yes later. That's so a no I'll let for me, know. dog. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're just like, yeah, I'm going to say no on that right now and give me some time to reflect on it. Or it's just a straight out like, yeah, I I'm not feeling it. Or no. Sometimes it's just simple. Sometimes no. I feel like I say no too much. <laughs> I should be more open to yes. But. And I'm, a, I'm just over here like I'm, I'm overhearing the conversation. I'm just like, how did she do that? And it's like, it's less letters. It's an easier <laughs> word. <laughs> but, nah. <laughs> no. And I'm just like, how did she say that word? That word isn't even in my vocabulary. <laughs> it drives me crazy because I have been so keen on being a part. Uh, whenever you, uh, I mean, it's hard to say no to some, to your employee. Like, think about a job situation. How do you say no to your boss? Like, sure, I'm not saying just go out and start saying no to everything imaginable. Like, that's not that's not healthy. That's not uh, acceptable. You can get fired for that. <laughs> you know, there are definitely things. But sometimes you have to say no to something in order to have time to do the things you said yes to. Think about it. Have you ever been so overbooked with crap that you have said yes to? Things that you're supposed to be doing, your daily actual um, on paper responsibilities and someone tries to come up to you and give you something else, give you some other part of the workload, at some point you have to say, I can't do that. You're going to have to find someone else who has the time to do that. And I think uh, the book Essentialism, and I'll put a link to that book in the show notes below. It is an affiliate link. If you buy it, it helps us just saying. But uh, it's a fantastic read. It helped me so much to learn how to say no. Because uh, it's literally talking about like you have to say no in order to have the time, the time to do the very things you said yes to in the first place. Well, and I actually read this book last year as well. And it really um, helped me just understand. I mean, it's about essentialism, living a more essential life. And part of that, they had a whole chapter about the art of saying no. And how um, there's one section in the chapter how it talked about um, like how you can ultimately sabotage things that you could have done really great at if you're just doing a crappy job on a whole bunch of little things. And people actually gain more respect for you if you tell them no because you want to give your all to something else. And they'll say, okay, I'll find somebody else. It's really not that big of a deal a lot of the time. And then when you tie in the spiritual aspect of it, you have the the religious side of it pulling on you. You know, you have that burden of, oh, well, I have to do this in order to be a Christian. That's not true. So many people say, well, like, what good is a Christian? You know, with a great commission, look at all these things. If you stop and think about it for a second, if you're not taking care of yourself or giving 
what you know in your heart you're supposed to be giving that time to, you're actually being a really crappy steward of the gifts God's given you. If you think that uh, your calling or your gifts is to be like putting your heart into a podcast, but someone is pulling on your uh, quote-unquote heartstrings to run a coffee bar on Sundays, and that's normally... Uh, your time with your family or, you know, your schedule's busy and you're trying to give your time to X, Y, and Z already, and then you have another entity. There are people who are called to work in that church. If you're not one of them, if that's okay. You know, if you if you have a heart for kids, why would you serve in the, you know, the primetime 50-plus group? If you have a, a heart for music, you know, why are you working the coffee bar? And I'm not saying, like, you can't help out. I'm not saying not to do those things. If you have free time you want to do, that's fine. I know a lot of places have, like, you know, strict things you have to serve in this area and this area and this area. And, like, I get the vetting process that they're doing because they they want to weed out the people who are just going to quit. Like, I understand there's an issue with that. But the bigger thing here is, you know, why would you pour your heart into something you're not passionate about? Because all you're doing is robbing the time from the thing God had on you to be doing in the first place. You're stealing from God by giving your time to the wrong things. And we have created a culture in Christianity where we have made robbing from God to serve man's purpose uh, the norm. And that's a really, really uh, crappy thing we have done. So something else that we talked about was the picture-perfect family Kind of like, you know, the family you would see on a Hallmark card, the perfectly dressed Christmas card. Um, You know, they're early to church every Sunday. They volunteer in the different areas. They're all well put together. They look like they just love each other. They always get along. I would just like to point out that my teeth are not straight enough to be that Hallmark family, so I could not be the picture-perfect family. I did not have braces, and they are not pearly white like every other buff lumberjack on them freaking christmas movies so that's okay i had braces and i lost my top retainer and i drank too much coffee so i probably couldn't be on there either so (laughs) that's fair yeah the picture perfect family is um like i said i kind of identify with this one a bit too and this wasn't even something that like was intentionally ingrained in me as much as like you know y'all know my story if you've listened to this podcast my mom was an alcoholic uh my dad is an amazing, hardworking man, and I didn't want to bring shame to our family by voicing my mom's problems. So I bottled it all up whenever I was going through the emotional turmoil of having to try to deal with her crap. I was bottling it up and hiding it from uh, my friends and my, you know, at the time, my church members and things like that. The other thing was I was hiding it because I knew people were going to try to start prying. And I didn't want the judgmental glances. And I wanted uh, to be treated like a normal person. And I had uh, I'd seen so much of people coming in and trying to get healed and everything. And they're just kind of like at the stigma on that group. Like, oh, those are those people. Uh, they're, the, they're the ones that are dealing with the problems. And people started trying to avoid them. And it made me nervous. And so I think that... In some instances, this one in particular was on me. It was on our family. But going out, and this, like I said, this isn't all just about church. This is about Christianity as a whole. Uh, as a Christian family unit, a lot of times we think, oh, well, we have to make it look like the perfect image of the little family of God. And so we stifle 
and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying that anyone did this directly to me on purpose as much as it's something that I kind of like, somehow I picked it up through the air. It was being transmitted somewhere, you know, like I know my father was extremely embarrassed about our situation. He was extremely embarrassed for my mom and because he didn't want my mom to have a bad rap. And it was just a weird situation all the way around. And so somehow I picked up through the wire uh, that I didn't need to talk about this. And we've got to be careful of that. Uh, as a Christian family, if you if you are a parent or even if you're a child, it's okay to talk about those problems. You know, you don't have to worry about saving face because nowhere in the Bible does it say save face for the sake of the family. It says, you know, come one to another, cast your burdens, uh, share each other, uh, each other's load, you know? And so it's just, it's completely wrong to go that route. And specifically uh, just talking about Christian family, like don't do that. Don't push that because you need to be able to be open and we all make mistakes. We all have our failures. And then on everyone else on the receiving end, don't be those jerks that are judgmental and and stare and poke and point and talk behind other people's backs. Be honest and helpful and be there. Like there's some great people in church that help. And then there's a group of people that just like, they just look at you like you are out of it. Like you are just something uh, completely separate and you lost your status, your Christian status. You kind of, you know, they rip the the patch off, off, your, uh, off your vest almost, you could say. And so we also talked about the gatekeeper, and you kind of brought this up to me. Can you explain, like, what that is? Because I wasn't really... Yeah, so uh, whenever I thought about, like, this and talking in, in, you know, reference to, like, the, the false identities that we feel we have to construct in church, gatekeepers, some of them are so wrapped up in what they think they know that they build walls around certain groups of people. This happens a lot with pastors. I could say this because I was a pastor. I was a youth pastor for years. I was a worship pastor for eight years. And I can say firsthand, this, this happens when you're in that position. You build walls. I can be this person to these people. I can be that person to these people. And I can be this my true self over here. But I still can't hold that. I can only hold this part back for... You know, when I'm around my select group of friends I used to have a long time ago. Like, you have these different identities, and it's almost like you wear multiple masks. And what I mean by gatekeeper is you're that person that allows different people to come in and to go out and to pass into these different groups. You're always judging the situation to figure out who fits in what category. And anyone who's in leadership in, like, the traditional Christian church circle sense uh, you'll probably understand what I'm talking about. Sometimes you get so wrapped up in this quote-unquote church culture, which isn't God culture, mind you. Let me let me just clarify this. this. isn't Jesus culture, not the band, but this isn't like the Jesus culture, right? This is uh, church culture that we feel like we have to act a certain way to our pastor friends. And then, you know, they call it taking and putting, like putting on hats, right? You have to change out your hat depending on the crowd, and then uh, when this person over here moves up into this level of leadership, you're constantly judging, oh, now they can hear about these things that are going on. And it's almost like uh, pools of gossip or different levels of trust. And, like, I understand, like, it's okay to have friends. Like, you can use the whole thing. Well, Jesus had the multitude, then he had the 12, then he had the three, then he had the one. Yes. But yeah, you don't have to tell your business to every single person you meet. Like, right. there, you need to have some discretion. 
But uh, what I'm mostly talking about is you get so wrapped up in what you think you know that you forget to identify with other people around you. And you almost can, um, you can take on the persona of a Christ-like figure. And you almost feel like you're the gatekeeper, like I'm the pastor of the church. I'm the leader of this, you know, like almost like you are the vessel in which someone goes through to get to God. They're coming here to hear me speak or to hear me sing or to hear me teach or to hear my sermon or my opinion, you know, or they're coming to seek counsel for my wisdom. And uh, you get this stigma like you are the gatekeeper, like you are... Uh, you're not just a shepherd. You are the shepherd, right? Basically, and, like the, a ticket to God, like secondhand to God. Almost. Right. Like it's kind of the whole thing of like when you hear someone, if you ever hear someone say, I led this many people to Christ, run like fire away from those people. I mean, get as fast out of there, like beat the flash in a foot race out the door. Because if anyone's going to sit there and tell you that they led someone to Christ, they, you know, it's it's gone. Like that is. That is the mentality I'm talking about. And I'm not going to sit here and say I've been innocent of it in the past either. I'm not sitting here bashing someone that's saying that. If you are if you are catching up on this and you're like, man, this is offending me. Maybe you need to check your heart on this one too. You know, guard your, check your heart. You know, I'm going to use that Christian term. Check your heart. How's your heart doing? I hate that so much. Uh, so, you know, check it out and see what's, uh, what's going on. Because the gatekeepers are, um, it's also a cultural thing. And, they are the ones that feel like they're creating the culture. And so in a way, they're attributing to a lot of these problems, but it's also the pressure on them that creates this as well. And it's this back and forth instead of, you know, it's, it's a balancing act between all these different things. So now I want to talk a little bit about a few true identities, like taking off the masks and looking past that. Uh, obviously, there is a uh, an atmosphere in Christian culture that leads people to feeling like they have to be fake. And this is a problem that we've got to address. And I feel like there is definitely um, a shift in this away from the traditional evangelical way of doing things into more of an open air honesty type of policy. And I really think we need to just kind of push that way because, you know, you look at a lot of these people and they're acting out of their, their true identity. They're just trying to to cover up something that they need, you know, whether they're a super spiritual or they're uh, trying to fit in with a worship culture in that specific church, or they're a yes person, or they feel like they have to be some picture perfect person, or they even are one of the gatekeepers themselves. They have something, this true identity that is, um, that this other identity is like a parasitic draw feeding off of their true identity. It's draining them dry but they don't even realize it because it feels like life. It feels like they're getting fed, but it's like eating junk food almost. And so the first one I want to talk about is like the wounded and afraid. There's a lot of people that act out, act like super spirituals, try to fit in because they're wounded and they're afraid. There is a group of people who want to behave just like every other pastor, preacher, uh, just like every other church member because they've been hurt by church. And they've been told that if they don't fit into this category and act this way, okay, sure, they may have not been told like in words, but in actions, they've been told if they don't fit this way, if they don't fit this agenda, then they're not a part of this group and they can't come and find Christ in this circle. And uh, those are there's wounded people and afraid people that are terrified 
of Christianity, so much that they don't even want to call themselves a Christian. They are followers of Christ, but they don't want to call themselves a Christian. I've been there. I have struggled with calling myself a Christian because I'm like, well, when did Jesus call anyone Christians? He said, come and follow me. You know, you get that attitude because you don't even want to be associated with it anymore because you're so wounded and afraid. The opposite side of that, when you're trying to uh, still stay involved in it, you're still struggling with that identity, you you want to act like those things that you see and you want to be a sounding block of that, even if it means not being true to yourself because you long to uh, to fit in with that group because of your wounds. And so another true identity that I feel like a lot of people mask over are the opposites and the introverts going back to the worship face that we put on. And um, specifically with me, like I said, you know, I worship differently because I'm an introvert. I, it's not always outward. And so there are people like that. It's okay. You don't have to constantly raise your hand. You don't constantly have to sing. You know, if you're doing your own thing, that's fine. You shouldn't feel judged for that. And if you feel like you have to raise your hand in order for someone not to say anything, but your heart's not in it, stop. Yeah. You know, talk to somebody or leave the church. Honestly, like you should not have to feel like you're being judged for your personal time with God. If you are praying instead of singing, at least you're talking to God. Like that looks different to different people and you shouldn't feel ostracized about that. But so many people are afraid to worship because of how it may be perceived. Yeah, and so another one is the abused and the hurt. And uh, this really ties in with um, like the picture-perfect family and then even into like the yes person. There are those who are who are hurt, who have hurts in their life, whether it be family, whether it be, uh, you know, different scenarios that have happened, loss, um, all these different things. There are those that are abused and they go in to these Christian circles and honestly in a weird way, and I'm, I'm looking at like the yes man or the yes woman here, the church does the same thing to them. It's spiritual abuse to manipulate someone's emotions to get them to do the will and the bidding by making them think that that's what they have to do to get in. Uh, there's hurts and there's abuse that happen all the time. And we as a as a body of believers do not need to feed into that problem, but instead encourage people to go and get along with God and find their true passion. And that may change. That may look different. It may take time for them, but to be patient with that and not just try to plug them in, not just try to cram them into some hole to fit a void, you know, because sooner or later, if you keep patching the dam with bubble gum, it's going to break. You know what I mean? Like you got to find the right pieces to fit in the right places. It's like a puzzle. And yes, we are a body. We are hands and feet, but we all uh, have to know what we are. And we can't just shove a leg in an arm socket. You know, that would be kind of an awkward situation. And we do that too much. And I think that we've just got to be careful to not uh, skim over someone's abuse and end up abusing them in a similar fashion. And another true identity I feel like a lot of people struggle with is seeking acceptance. And honestly, I feel like this could go into all of the many faces that we talked about because, you know, a lot of times when people feel like they have to say yes, 
it's not necessarily because they want to be doing all of that stuff, but it's they want to be liked and accepted. And this isn't even in just church. You know, this is in business. This is in the real world. Like there are people who feel like they have to say yes because if they say no, they're going to be ostracized and judged for it. Yeah. And then, of course, that leads to the outcasts and the lonely. And, uh, you know, those are the people that are going to say what it takes. Those are the people that are going to try to act a certain way. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, however you identify, this is the one we need to take charge of the most and realize Let's look at ourselves. How are we behaving? How am I right now behind a microphone talking to people? How am I behaving? Because there are people out there who are hurt, who are all those things, but they are lonely and they're outcasts that are going to look to every single one of us. Someone in your life is looking to you. I guarantee there is someone in your life, at least a single person, looking to you for how to behave and how to act. And we have got to be solid in that for them. Now, I'm not talking about putting on a fake face and looking solid. I'm talking about being truthful, being real and vulnerable about our flaws so they know it's okay to be real and vulnerable because Jesus was real and vulnerable. It's not about the mask or the facade. And as a culture, we're not saying this to bash the Christian culture, quite the opposite. We're saying this that all of us can come together and say enough is enough. We are no longer going to create an atmosphere that feeds people feeling like they have to be something they're not. Maybe they have questions. Maybe they have doubts. Maybe they don't identify as Christian at all, and they're completely struggling with who Jesus was, what his teaching was. If they believe the Bible is uh, infallible or irrelevant, uh, it doesn't matter. Those are people who have questions and who are searching for answers. And we may not agree with the way they look at things. You may not agree with what I'm saying right now. You may not agree with the approach Elaine and I are taking to this. And that's fine and dandy. That's okay. But we all have to come together to say having questions isn't the problem. Having questions is healthy. Yes, we can go and we can turn to the Word of God. We can look at things like that, and we can try to figure this out. But it takes time, and it takes patience, and it takes not creating an atmosphere of false uh, creation, not creating an atmosphere that leads to people where they feel like they have to be fake and untrue to who they are, because you can never truly find Christ if you can't be honest and truthful with yourself to even figure out who you are truly. Well, and the truth of the matter is, is that we are all broken. We all have struggles. We all face different things. You know, nobody is perfect. We are all living messy lives. But Jesus meets us where we're at. You know, God says, come home. Like, you are loved. You are invited. You are wanted. Um, and so a lot of times, like, churches say, come broken, like come in, like we will accept you. But a lot of times it's only to a certain point. And I feel like that's why a lot of people leave church or have a problem with church or even love Jesus, but struggle with calling themselves a Christian because they don't want, like you said, they don't want to be associated with that. Because if you are truly broken, you want to go to a place where you are truly accepted for that. And a lot of times people get confused of how Jesus accepted that and how we handle people sometimes. 
And I think one of the last things that I want to say here and to sum up what I what I have on my heart is I think we need to quit looking at the end game of being fixed and accept the fact that we are, you know, broken, fallen. I'm not saying like Waller in, you, in your sin, you filthy pig. No, I'm not saying not trying to better yourself. We should all be striving to be like Jesus. And if we're striving to be like Jesus, we're going to try to be the best version uh, of ourselves we can be because we are created to be that. But we live in a fallen world. We live with a fallen people. And there's always going to be uh, that side of us that is just not perfect. And that's okay because we live in a time where grace runs freely. That's not an excuse. That's an invitation. And that's just the beauty of it to look back and say, you know what? I'm okay. God made me and everything that I need to be the perfect version of myself was created in me and placed in me. And I can strive to that. And sometimes the broken things come together to make the most beauty. You know, there's a traditional way that Chinese potters uh, refit together pieces and they pour gold into the cracks to highlight the imperfections. And it's a beautiful construct of pottery. Like you look at it and you can see all the imperfections and it glistens and shines gloriously. And I think that's, that is God in our brokenness is he can fill those cracks and everyone can see him because if we are perfect vessels, how would any of him seep out for the rest of anyone else? You know, that's just my thoughts, but I want to hear all of your thoughts. Guys, what have you witnessed in the Christian culture? What masks have you seen? And what are some solid steps, in your opinion, we can do to uh, move forward and to just be more accepting and to break down this, uh, this, uh, this culture that makes people feel they have to put on masks. Send in your opinions and your thoughts on that. You can email them to us. You can tag us on uh, Facebook or Instagram, even Twitter. Go and find us at therecklesspursuit.com. There you can send us a voicemail, drop us an email. Uh, and as always, we would love to have you a part of our community. We have a flourishing community. It's growing. Uh, good things are happening. Great conversations are happening. Uh, and we're just super pumped about the direction it's going. And we would love you to be a part because that's honestly, uh, that's the, the linking factor where we can all have a voice in that. So please, if you are listening to this and maybe you're afraid, maybe you're scared to let your opinions be heard, maybe you're afraid of the hurts you have, please come in and we're going to sit there right there with you. We're going to, uh, to, we're not going to judge you for it and because we're all at different walks of life and different stages trying to do the same thing. So if you want to join, uh, the link is in the show notes below and we would love to have you a part. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll, we'll talk, talk soon. soon.